Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around it, right. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one at Brent It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fartson. Right up front. Younger Bennett's side of the net. now in and a good friday afternoon to you tc martin show coming your way live from the cosmopolitan of las vegas no better place to be on a weekend weekday it does not matter we are here powered by the william hill sportsbook come on by check out the show non-stop sports talk to the four o'clock hour here our friday home here at the cosmopolitan of las vegas double b brian benowitz our gracious host, the VP of Casino Operations here. What is up, Double B? Uh, just a, another great weekend here at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, coming on President's Weekend, so we're excited to welcome back some people here to the city. Uh, coming off a fantastic Super Bowl weekend. And uh, happy Chinese New Year to everybody out there for today. So uh, exciting time in Las Vegas. There you go. How is your Mandarin, by the way? Gong Hei Fa Choi. Happy New Year. Well, there it is. Look at this. <laughs> he yes. shoots, he scores, That's he delivers. Right. There it is. All Don't right. ask me anything else, though. VGK Frank in the house. What's going on, my friend? Uh, you know, just uh, trying to uh, recover after another late night of watching Australian <laughs> Open tennis. <laughs> so Frank pulled the double dip last night. We go to the Golden Knights game, and we'll get into the, to that uh, a little bit later on. But uh, they lose. He goes right home, and he stays up all night watching Australian Open. Now, I went home and I started watching it too, but I wasn't up that late. I don't uh, know, what are you doing, watching replays? No, it, it, it didn't get over till like 5 a.m. <laughs> and, and, and it was worse for the people that were there because in Australia last night, uh, they have some COVID incidences right. in Melbourne, and at 11.30, everybody that was in the stadiums had to get up and leave. Mm. So you see full stadiums, and all of a sudden, by the end of the Djokovic match, which they just played here at the uh, Racing Sportsbook here at the Cosmopolitan, the place is completely empty. Everybody literally had to leave during the matches. Right. That is true. All right. So, we got crazy stuff. 30,000 in attendance. Now, uh, it goes uh, to nothing. So, all right. So, today on the show, Showtime Sean Porter will join us, our good friend, the two-time welterweight champion of the world. We'll talk a little boxing. We'll talk a little football. We'll talk a little bit of everything with Showtime Sean Porter. He will join us at 3 o'clock. So, hang tight for that. Always great when uh, Showtime Sean Porter joins us here live at the Cosmopolitan. A great friend and just a all-around great guy. And again, uh, he will have a fight here coming up very, very soon, and we'll dive into that today. We had Bob Arum on the show a couple days ago. Obviously, a big topic of conversation right now is what is next for Terrence Crawford. Sean Porter could be that guy. They're trying to make either a fight with, with Sean versus uh, Terrence Crawford or Earl Spence. Uh, so that's... Uh, been talked about a lot in the boxing circles uh, this past week, so we'll dive into that with him as well, too. And uh, plenty of other stuff to talk about. Like I said, VGK, we'll talk about their game last night. Unfortunately, they lose one nothing. We'll uh, dive into that. And uh, we start the program off with talking about the Houston Texans releasing J.J. Watt today. A very big story here coming out of Houston. And we know that this franchise has had a lot of problems over the past year, but uh, we find out that J.J. Watt actually requested the release 
Now, this follows a turbulent past couple weeks and really last year for the Houston Texans. Remember, they fired Bill O'Brien early on after he went 0-4. Romeo Crennel took over as the interim head coach. Uh, O'Brien was also the general manager of the Texans. In the offseason, they hired David Culley. He's a, a first-time head coach, no head coaching experience whatsoever. And then Nick Casario is their GM, filling in again for O'Brien. So, yeah, the Texans making a lot of news. It hasn't been good there. And today, J.J. Watt says that he is no longer a member of the Houston Texans. They release him. And we've got audio for you. This is J.J. Watt in his own words talking about his release and his message to Houston Texans fans. I wanted to do this on video uh, as opposed to putting out a statement or doing a press conference or anything like that because I want you guys to hear it directly from me. I want to speak directly to you and the city of Houston um, so you can hear the words straight from my mouth. Um, I have sat down with the McNair family and I have asked them for my release and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. Uh, I came here 10 years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who'd never really been to Texas before. Thank you. And now I can't imagine my life without uh, Texas in it. Um, the way that you guys have treated me, besides draft night, I mean, you guys booed me on draft night, but uh, every day after that, you treated me like family. And I truly feel like you're my family. Um, since that day, I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. Um, you guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. Um, the city of Houston's been unbelievable to me. It's where I met my wife. Um, it's where I've met lifelong friends and my teammates. Um, I've had incredible coaches and training staff and equipment staff and cafeteria workers and the weight room staff and uh, the front office people. and people on the streets, people in restaurants and grocery stores and showing up at my house. Um, the connection is special and I will never ever take that for granted because I know how rare it is. Um, I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity and I've been working extremely hard, um, but at the same time it is, it is always tough to move on. And uh, I just want you guys to know that I love you, I appreciate you. I appreciate the McNair family for giving me, uh, drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston. I love you. J.J. Watt earlier today wanted to put his own message out there, did not want to hold a press conference, did not want to issue a statement, said he wanted to talk to the fans directly in that two-minute and two-second message. When you hear J.J. Watt speak today, what do you think? Well, uh, it's shocking because he is a, a, a fixture in Houston. He's very, very active in the community. You saw him during the, uh, the, 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 the floods and everything else and all the things he's done there. And it just shows you how far the organization must have fallen for him to take such a drastic step because you, he was the type of guy that you thought would be a career player in the, in the town that he was in. And uh, uh, the organization has uh, left him high and dry, it seems like. And uh, it's almost like a desperation move, you know. So it's sad for Houston. You know, but uh, they're, they're, they sound like they're a complete wreck there. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's amazing because somebody's going to be a big winner, and that is whatever team gets J.J. Watt. Not just for what he does on the field, like Brian said, in the community, everywhere else out there. He just seems like a class individual. And remember, we talked about it during the season when he called his teammates out when they were having a terrible season. And he said, look, we owe it to the fans, to everybody that comes here, to everybody else in that locker room, to everybody that's ever put on this uniform, to give 100% every game. It doesn't matter what the record is. It doesn't matter anything else. We have a contract. It's our obligation to play as well as we can. So he called everybody out including himself. That's the guy you want in the locker room. That's the exact type of player. J.J. Watt is a winner whether the team he's on is or not. And whatever team ends up getting him, uh, they're going to have a great individual in the locker room, on the field, and in that community. So, you know, it's a win-win for J.J. in a way, but it is sad to see what's happened. If you're a Houston Texan fan right now, I don't know what you're cheering for because they are a complete mess. You know, I got a chance to cover J.J. Watt when I was in Wisconsin, and just that guy, even in college, he had a presence about him, and you could just see he was just destined for greatness. And you talk about the family. I mean, again, there's three Watts currently in, in the NFL. That, that doesn't happen. You got to go back to what the Alou brothers, people like, you know, for, for baseball. But it's just amazing, uh, a class act, the entire family, from the mother to the father to the brothers, everyone there. And I know the world has got a chance to see J.J. Watt through commercials and through charitable ventures. You know, every time Houston went through a hurricane problem, they went through a travesty, who was the first guy that was out there? You heard from J.J. Watt before you heard from the mayor of Houston sometimes and, and, and other people there. I mean, that's, again, like he said in the beginning, he goes, he's a, he's a Wisconsin guy. He, he ends up being drafted by the Houston Texans and he's a Texas guy. He's a Houston guy. So, for him, believe it or not, for him to step away from an organization like this, it just tells you how bad things really are. But it's a great, he's a great guy, he's a great man, he's a humanitarian, and let's talk about the football player. He's a five-time Pro Bowler. He was drafted by the Texans in 2011 with an 11th overall pick. He even mentioned in his video, he goes, well, you guys booed me a little bit. Uh, you know, that's the only time you really booed me when the pick. Because, well, who's this guy? And, and look what uh, he, he's done. He became the face of the franchise of the Houston Texans, winning three NFL Defensive Player of the Year awards from 2012 to 2015. He's only one of three players that has that distinction, winning that award three times. And, uh, yeah, Houston's going to miss him, but just a class act. And I like the way he's handled his entire career, and I really like the way he handled himself today. Well, you know, J.J. gives 100% to whatever he does, and I think that's vitally important uh, to the organization he goes to. Hopefully they support him. He's, he's battled through injuries the last few years, so he's not quite been uh, on the field as much, but he certainly hasn't been out of the, uh, the limelight yeah. and out of the community. So Houston's going to miss him in, in many, many different ways. Well, and you mentioned the fact of, you know, when there was a hurricane down in Texas or something, forget about that. When there was a disaster or a problem anywhere, he always seemed to be at the forefront. He made commercials for cleaning up rivers and doing things, not just in Texas, but on a national scale. And he also changed the way that some defensive coaches even did game plan things. Remember when he was called J.J. Swat because he was knocking everything down? Coaches 
coaches literally started going in and practices and putting tennis rackets in people's hands to uh, jump up there and show people, let the quarterback learn how to throw over in that because he was so athletic and he was so big and he would knock down so many balls in that. He did a lot of different things there. Hopefully he gets healthy again, that he continues his Pro Bowl ways out there. But again, he's a class act. He's a winner. I wish him nothing but the best. But uh, again, for Houston Texan fans, I don't know what you're looking for or cheering for. I have no idea what they're even trying to do down there in Houston. Yeah, and this news today comes on the heels of Deshaun Watson talking about he, he wants a trade. He's been saying that for the last, last couple weeks. He's been very, very vocal about that. DeAndre Hopkins was traded last year. You trade your arguably your best player, definitely your best receiver, one of the best receivers in the National Football League. They basically let him get away for practically nothing. He goes to Arizona. So that really signaled what was happening there in Houston. And then they get off to this bad start. They go 0-4 this past season. O'Brien gets fired. Uh, A lot of players apparently didn't like the style of of Bill O'Brien. And again, then they operated the entire season with Romeo Cornell and without a general manager. I mean, you went the entire season without a general manager. You just hired one a few weeks ago. So, yeah, uh, this this is a franchise that is a pure mess right now. And when you look at free agents... Why in the world would you want to even entertain a thought of Houston? I'd say, hey, nice area. We've had some, some pretty good success. Got a great stadium. Really strong fan base. But now your quarterback wants nothing to do with the franchise. Your face of your franchise, J.J. Watt, walks away. They didn't cut him. He didn't get in trouble or anything. He has one year left on his contract, and he was due $17.5 million. He walks away from that. Wants a fresh start with somewhere else. But, yeah, this franchise is in a mess. I ask the question, you know, where do they go and who wants to come and play for them? Uh, I, you bring up a legitimate point. If you're a season ticket holder, the, the, the Texans, right. uh, where's your hope? Yeah. You know, where do you, where do you hang your hat on, the, on that there's something good on the horizon? Because right now there isn't. It's going to be a rebuild, and it's going to be a rebuild for years if they ever you know, get back up there. I mean, some teams go a decade without making the playoffs for crying out loud. And, uh, you know, they're kind of positioning themselves to be like that. The, the new Cleveland Browns. I was thinking the exact yeah. same thing. And, and it's not only a rebuild of the football team that's on the field there. It's a rebuild of the front office. It's a rebuild of the coaching staff. It's a rebuild of the whole mentality to get back to that winning way and get people wanting to come there, like you mentioned, what free agent's going to want to go there. You're going to have to incentivize people once again to even want to come down there and play for this organization. They need a complete 180 in the direction they're going, in the thought process, and everything else. Because as we saw in Tampa Bay this year, winning is a learned thing. Tampa Bay had a lot of the same pieces they had when they were, let's face it, not a very good organization. One player comes in there, changes the mentality, says, I refuse to not win, and all of a sudden everybody else starts to learn how to win. In Texas, they need to learn how to do everything again and turn it around to make it all a positive. Because right now down in Texan, Uh, down in Houston with the Texans, everything is on a negative slide right now, and you have to change that entire mindset and mentality. You look at the general manager now, Nick Casario, he's saying, well, look at this mess that I've inherited, and now maybe, I don't want to say he's created it, but when you have your your franchise player saying, okay, I'm out, he talks to the McNair family, and they grant him his release. On the other side, you've got your quarterback that you're trying to, to keep there, and Deshaun Watson says, I, I don't want any, any part of this. And the Texas kids came out yesterday and said, nope, 
you know, you're a quarterback. Uh, you know, I don't think we're going to get fair trade value for you because, you know, people know that, that you don't want to be here. So we're going to hang on to you. So I think this is a, a, a big question now. Does Deshaun Watson maybe pull a J.J. Watt? And obviously I know he's talked to the McNairs as, as well. And the, the problem with Deshaun Watson, he said he wanted to have some personnel um, voices. You know, he wanted to voice over the personnel and what they're going to do with the draft and bringing in coaches and this and that. And he hasn't gotten that. We heard the story from Russell Wilson this past week as well too, saying that, hey, you know, he's not really fond of the direction the Seahawks have been going and that resonates back to what we saw with Tom Brady last year. And when you look at the Seahawks today, it kind of go back a year ago and what the Patriots were with Brady saying like, okay, you know, you can see the, this thing's starting to crumble here. That could be happening there in Seattle. Your thought, Brian, when you hear these quarterbacks that are saying that they want to actually be involved in personnel moves and feel like they should be a part of it and they have a right to it. Yeah, I don't know if they have a right to it. They don't own the team. Um, right. They could, they could certainly influence uh, and talk about, and that's really what Brady did. Mm-hmm. You know, he influenced them, giving them a chance with Gronk down there, giving them a chance with uh, A.B. down there, mm-hmm. and changing, as Frank said, the mindset. Um, you know, the, some of these football players, they get a little too big for their britches. Um, and, you know, um, the kid in uh, Seattle, you know, they've been disappointing. They, they just haven't been ex- explosive, but they haven't had the defense that they've had in years past, you know, to drive it. Um, well, they lost the guys on that defense because they wanted to be let go. We saw that with Richard Sherman yeah. and, and, and others on that defense over the years saying, eh, we, we, we want to go someplace else. Well, you know, from a Patriot standpoint, yes, it started to show a little uh, crumble over the last few years. But uh, as a fan, I think if you were a Patriots fan, you've done pretty well for yourself. You know, over the last few years, uh, they, they built a decade and really 15, almost 18 years of, of, of unrivaled success in that league. Um, you know, Tom Brady is a, is a, is a different character. Uh, he has the ability to win. He has the ability to rally people around. And he learned a lot this year at 43. He learned a new system. It was not easy there. They were 7-5. and five. Uh, They were stumbling and, and bumbling for a long time. And he got on board, and he got his team on board, and he got them ready to go. Um, you know, you got some that are winners and some that are just also-rans. And uh, um, Deshaun Watson looks the part of a winner. But he's never been on the big stage. He's never brought him there. So where does he have the right to say stuff like that? I, I just don't know. Um, at least, uh, again, I can't think of his name. The guy in Seattle. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah. I'm not a huge Russell Wilson fan, if you can't Another talk. Wisconsin guy yeah. slash yeah. NC State. But, you know. NC State most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's, he's, he's had an opportunity to win two Super Bowls. And they missed that second Super Bowl. And that's still got to be eating him up, that interception. Yeah. You know, it's probably a really bad call. Yeah. We'd all agree on that. Yeah. But they've never even really come close to being, you know, somewhere where you go, oh, Seattle, that's the team. This year it was Green Bay looked like the team. Tampa kind of snuck in there. KC yeah. looked like the team. Seattle was just like, yeah, they'll be in the playoffs, but they'll get knocked out. I mean, that's just just the feeling. That's not what Colleen, the handicapping queen, says about Seattle. Well, she's a, she's a fan. <laughs> and fans love to have some hope, you know. And so, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now a Raider guy. I have hope for next year. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, realistically, do I think the Raiders are in the Super Bowl next yeah. year? No, I don't yeah. think so. Well, you know, it's all different, too. When we were all growing up, 
You had the owner of a team, you had the GM that built the club, and then the players went out on the field and they did their job. You know, whatever the GM, whoever they hired and drafted, those were the players. Now we've seen a change in other sports. We've seen a change in the NBA. We see players talking baseball in the offseason and, hey, you should come and join us and this and that. So, you know, it used to be collusion or something like that, but now it seems like there's open conversation and it's, and it's all over the place. And there's a difference between Brady and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Tom Brady had six Super Bowl rings. You're going to listen to Tom Brady. Tom Brady also had success with the people that he wanted down there to come and join him. So that is a big difference there. Deshaun Watson hasn't won. Like Brian said, Russell Wilson's had the chance to win. He hasn't actually gotten over the hump and done it. He's had some pretty successful teams. It's a slippery slope when these guys want all the input and the say because you might have all the best intentions and you might think you're going to work with somebody, but you also have to worry about the chemistry in a locker room. And we talked about this the other day. Okay, I want this guy here. Well, if you bring in this receiver because it makes your quarterback happy, what about the receivers that were already there? They're like, well, what do I have to do to get the ball now? Because he wanted this guy. He's going to be throwing it to him. It can make problems in the locker room. It can do other things. It's dangerous when you're going down that road and you want to put on that hat. You want to be the quarterback. You want to be the GM. You want to be the coach. You want to do everything like that. Tom Brady's earned that right. These other guys haven't. Should they be cons- Should they be asked about their opinions? Should they say, hey, who do you think would be a good fit for you? I have no problem with something like that, and maybe that should be the case. But to just act like it's their right or that they deserve it, what have they done to deserve it? Your job is to be the quarterback. You're not right. the general manager. And here's the deal, too. Tom Brady has those discussions with ownership, with coaches, and says, hey, you know, I, like – like anybody goes through an interview. You turn around, you, you interview your employer just like they're interviewing you. But the difference between Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson, and now we're finding out about Russell Wilson, is Tom Brady isn't going to air this out in the media. That he's not going to come out and say, this is what I want. Deshaun Watson came out to the media and told everyone, he goes, hey, he goes, they're not making me part of this. you got to keep that in-house. Now we're hearing Russell Wilson say that in an interview this past week, saying, yeah, I would like to be involved in personnel decisions. Tom Brady does too, but he's, he's so mature and he's so smart. And again, he's not going to do that. That's where the difference is. I think every quarterback, every veteran quarterback, don't you think Matthew Stafford all those years in Detroit probably said, guys, please give me some help here. But he's not going to air it out in the media. And it just creates such a bad look. And really, Deshaun Watson saying what he said over the last couple weeks, that probably has something to do with J.J. Watt saying, you know, release me. I'm tired of being around this circus. It was one thing to lose DeAndre Hopkins last year. Okay, and then you lose your your coach, but J.J. Watt went out there and he fought every week. But then when you see this, you know, I'm I'm done. I'm out. And what's interesting is that management said, okay, we're going to release you. But Deshaun Watson, no, we're not going to do that. So I I think those are some, some key factors right there. Yeah, you know, and Tom Brady, his departure from New England must have been shocking to the fans up there in New England. Uh, But he seemed, I mean, and I don't follow Tom Brady as close as a lot of people. He seemed like he handled it with class. He found a a home in Tampa. He went to work. It didn't work right away there. Right. I mean, they were terrible in their first game of the year. Remember that? Yeah. And uh, first four or five games. But they were able to figure it out. He was able to to work with Arians, who, uh, how old is Arians now? 68. 68 and winning his first Super Bowl. So yeah. they learned. They learned how to work together. Frank brought up a great point about the NBA. The NBA has been doing this for a decade or more. 
you know, back when they'd set up the Dream Team in, in, in Miami, or those guys all went to Boston yeah, not together. Not one, not two, not three, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, or they all went to Boston to go win a title. Yeah, it's saw the Lakers it's do strange. it, too, and Phil LeBron's Jackson. LeBron's done it there, a yeah. number of times. Right, so right. It's, it's, it's almost like these quarterbacks are seeing these highfalutin stars that have so much influence in the NBA, and it's worked. I mean, the NBA, I mean, there's like two teams that can win a title every year. I mean, right. you're looking like, all right, well, there's the Lakers, and there's maybe – when Curry's good, they got them up there. Right. You know, but there's really not that much to, to go after. So uh, I, I don't think – I think that the one thing about the NFL is, is there isn't that big a difference between the worst team and the, and, and the, and the best team. Mm -hmm. They're all exceptional athletes. And so as a fan base, you can grasp that and say, okay, we're not that far off of getting there. Mm -hmm. But in the NBA, they open the season, and, and you have no chance – with 90% of your teams. Right. You're like, all right, well, we'll be lucky if we go 500. Well, that's that's a lot of fun to go to. Yeah. And, so. and there, there's another major difference with the NBA, too, and I don't know that these quarterbacks are looking at it this way. The NBA has five guys that start. In the NFL, there's 22 guys. You have the offense. You have the defense. You have the special teams. There's a lot of pieces to put in place, and then you have a salary cap that you can't go over in that. The NBA, you get your dream team, you put your three together, you get a couple role players, and you can go out and win. And even that doesn't necessarily guarantee you success. Like you mentioned, the Lakers tried it. Carl Malone and some other people tried to chase a ring and get that ring that was so elusive and they couldn't get because Jordan and the Bulls and the big fella, the seven-footer, uh, Bill Cartwright and people like that were in their way. But they didn't get that ring, did they? Because it's not just as easy as plugging in the piece. But again, it's easier to have success in the NBA because you have five starters and then the bench. In the NFL, there's a lot more to it. If you have all the money and it's and all the, okay, you got the wide receiver you want and your quarterback's making a ton of money. Well, you got to protect that quarterback. If you have no money left, He's going to be running for his life. We saw the difference between a starting offensive line and a backup line in the Super Bowl. Right. Didn't work out so, so well for Kansas City, and Patrick right. Mahomes, for all the talent he has, was running for his life. Well, on that note, too, nothing is more magnified than Major League Baseball. There is no salary cap, and that's why you see that pretty much the same teams win year after year after year, and you see the 200-plus million-dollar payrolls of the Yankees and the Red Sox and, and, and teams of that nature, and then you see a lot of the bottom feeders. I mean, again, who, who knows when the Kansas City Royals will, will ever be good again, you know? And uh, there's some nice stories there, the A's and, and, and the Rays to a certain degree, but they never really get over that hump. Uh, you know, they're, they're nice stories. But, you know, for the most part, again, you know, with Major League Baseball, I mean, you can you can get every superstar you want on there. You know, and well, uh, it's it, where the NFL and the NBA does have that salary cap. So, well, the, the NFL also, you get major injuries and, and you get really problems. And, and well, it's a shorter like season, Frank, too. You like, know? like Frank said, uh, you know, I, I was on KC. And I thought that their line would be okay. Well, it was not. Yeah. Uh, Tampa exploited that, and they used their front seven uh, brilliantly in that game uh, to disrupt that that uh, that kind of makeshift offensive line. And then you just saw that uh, Mahomes' foot was not good. It was not good. He was not the same QB, and uh, they got rattled. Yeah. They got rattled with a bunch of weird penalties in the first half that they never really could overcome. And uh, it was, uh, it was a, a, a domination. The right team won the game. Tampa won the game out and out. Uh, but it was, it, was a, it was very shocking to, for me to see uh, a bunch of really NFL players not be able to 
perform yeah. at the highest level because KC was really bad. Yeah, and anyone that tells you they saw that coming, nobody saw that coming. That's why you saw two-way action at the betting window. You saw a three-point spread. It didn't move off a three. That's why the, the books had such a, a huge Super Bowl Sunday last week. But no one saw that coming. I and mean, again, we, did we buy into the Kool-Aid with Kansas City? Well, of course we did. A team that was 14-2, and two, legitimately, you could say, you know, that last loss against the Chargers when they arrested people. Uh, but, of course, yeah, Kansas City's offensive weapons, they were totally shut down. And we talked about it all week. It just seemed like, you know, Tampa Bay was better prepared. Andy Reid was outcoached by Bruce Arians. That entire staff from Tampa Bay outcoached the Kansas City Chiefs. Tom Brady outplayed Patrick Mahomes. And... Uh, and you you know, both you, sides of the ball. You mentioned the enormous distraction of that accident yeah. as well uh, with uh, Andy Reid's kid, which uh, I kind of discounted at the time. But looking at it, you know, any little distraction coming into this big game, especially this year with all the crazy COVID protocols and all the difficulty it took to get there, uh, it, it, it was a big factor. Yeah. You know, they, and they, they released him, right? They released uh, yes. him this week. Yeah. And, and you don't have to look any farther when we're talking about the offensive lines on the two clubs neck. Who saw Tampa Bay having the yardage rushing that they had and Kansas City did nothing? Now, obviously, the score of the game dictated that a lot. But Fournette played well. Jones played well. Tampa Bay did everything. Tom Brady's numbers weren't that great. He had 201 yards passing. It's not like he was throwing the ball all over and he threw for 400 yards and six touchdowns or something. But he was efficient. No, no. He, no that, yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Right. He, managed, he was efficient. He Everybody did what they were supposed to do. It wasn't gaudy numbers. Everybody chipped in, and that's why it was a team victory. And they took advantage of a wounded opponent. They said their line yeah. is hurt. We're going to rush him. We're going to make Mahomes run because he can't run right now. We know he's going to try to make things happen, and he did, and he almost succeeded, but he was that little hair off. And in the NFL, with the speed and the precision and the talent of the offense and the defense and all the players out there, if you're off by a little, you're off by a lot. Yeah. Three touchdowns, first half touchdowns for Tom Brady. Yeah. And two for Gronk and, and Antonio yeah. Brown. Yeah. Who are the guys that uh, he brought into the team? There it is. Gronk and Brown. Yeah. All right. I know. We, we, we thought the Chiefs uh, would show up. They didn't show up, Brian. That's what blew me away. They did not show up. You look at their attitude on the sideline. They were just beat down. And for a team like that, I don't want to hear the word dynasty. I don't want to hear even if they come back next year. I mean, that was one of the most lethargic performances I've seen in a Super Bowl. And, again, you got to go back to 2014, you know, and Seattle blasted Denver. You go back to the 2002, you know, where the Raiders dominated. You go back to... You know, the, the Ravens, where they dominated against uh, the Giants. Those are the Super Bowls that, that stuck out of my mind. There's only can we been go three all the way back to 85? You can Listen. go back if you want. <laughs> I'm just saying, in the last 20 years, we've only had three really dogs of a Super Bowl, or four, and we saw one Sunday. I, I will tell you this. Before the half, when he called the timeout at 14-6, to six, yeah. uh, and they called the second timeout, yeah. I go, this is an enormous <laughs> mistake. Yeah. Don't give Tom Brady this opportunity. It was deja vu from Green Bay two weeks prior. And and the the, the announcers weren't even talking about it. There's that phantom flag on that 30-something-yard pass that was way over his head where the guy just kind of stumbled. But, I mean, they're going to get those breaks, and they did. And then there's an interception that doesn't happen. I was like, wow, everything is going against him. And you saw the honey badger at the end of the half. He was completely out of his mind. Yes. And and that's how the whole team was. Yeah. They were rattled. They came out. They got they, they couldn't push the ball in the end zone when they got the ball to start yeah. the second half, settled for the field goal, and then that was that. Yeah. He was like a rabbit honey better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are live at the Cosmopolitan on a Friday. T.C. Martin, 
Ballpark slash VGK Frank, Brian Benowitz here. When we come back, we'll talk a little Vegas Golden Knights hockey. Plus, Showtime Sean Porter is going to be with us here at the top of the hour, the two-time welterweight champion of the world. We'll have some fun with that. And again, get on down here to the Cosmopolitan. It is President's Day weekend. For a lot of people, it's not one, two, three. It's a four-day weekend for a lot of people. they got today off, Saturday, Sunday, and of course Monday. So come on out here. We are inside the William Hill Sportsbook live at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. This doesn't sound like the usual mindless, boring chit-chat. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Friday afternoon, live at the Cosmopolitan, T.C. Martin Show, here in the William Hill Sportsbook. You can still get that promo code. Use that promo code TC50 when you open a brand new mobile account. Use the William Hill mobile app. Download it on your phone first. Real easy to do. We've got basketball. We've got hockey. We've got it all for you. Of course, the Australian Open, tennis galore, golf, whatever you want, UFC, boxing, get the mobile app. Open a new account, deposit at least $50 into a new account. They will match it with an additional 50. Use the promo code TC50. Come over here to the Cosmopolitan or any of the great uh, William Hill sports books around town and uh, get some free money to wager with, just like Double B did last week. I did. And you know what? It's very easy to use the app. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I, of course, lost my $50 in free play and, <laughs> and one swift bet on the uh, Chiefs in the first quarter. Oh, yes. And so, uh, you know, it happens. But it was, it was, it, it's, a, it's a $50 free roll. Why not take it? Yeah, exactly. So, Can't and, beat it. And like you mentioned, UFC tomorrow, an interesting UFC card tomorrow as well with a couple guys that know each other really well because they trained together for seven years. Mm-hmm. All right. So, again, hey, just because football's over, the betting continues. And again, the big college basketball weekend uh, uh, tomorrow starting NBA, as well as Kevin Durant makes his return back, I was going to say Oakland, but to San Francisco to face the Warriors. So that's going to be interesting uh, tomorrow as well, too. And Durant, as we know, he's been out the last 10 days with uh, those COVID issues. So, uh, yeah, a lot of great stuff to bet on. So use the William Hill mobile app, deposit at least $50, use the promo code TC50 to give you $53 in your account. So take advantage of that. All right, guys, uh, Golden Knights last night, they lose to Anaheim 1-0. The uh, Golden Knights, it's the first time that they lost at T-Mobile Arena and the uh, first time that the Ducks beat the Golden Knights. But really, guys, what the story is, what were the Golden Knights wearing last night? And I understand they actually had the jersey on that looked good. I, was a little, I thought they might go with the Chinese New Year thing during the game, but they did the warm-ups with that. Okay, fine. But we saw these ridiculous gold helmets sparkling. If it was red, it reminded me of the punk rock group Devo back in the day. I mean, that's what we're looking at these guys. I have no idea. It's been a hot topic today. Let's get some feedback. I'm just going to say I didn't like them, TC. <laughs> I didn't like them. I watched it on TV. You were there, so it might have looked a little different there. Uh, it was a huge distraction. I just, you couldn't focus on the game. You know, they, they just were shining every which way. They didn't match their colors. It was, you know, the VGK's done a lot of things right with their retro jersey, with their, uh, their gold jersey. I think the helmets were a big miss. I was actually embarrassed for the players right. on the ice wearing them. They just looked silly, like a sideshow to me. Uh, I know some people liked them, but I, I don't know. Maybe they're not hockey guys. To me... Why mess with the helmet? Nobody's buying helmets. You know, it just seems kind of like a silly move. Let me ask you, both of you guys, we all played sports, you know, you know, growing up. You know, some played high school and beyond and all that kind of stuff. 
Did you ever get to a point where you played on a team where you didn't like the uniform and you were kind of embarrassed, especially as a kid where you're going like, man, I, I, I feel horrible. I don't even want to go outside wearing these uniforms. I played on, on a Little League, the Astros, when they had all those colors. There you go. And okay. then I played once on Pittsburgh where they had that square hat. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what is this thing that the I'm wearing? The engineer hat, tremendous. Yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I think Pop Stargell was wearing that. Especially like when you're a kid, it's like if you yeah. have a bad uniform, you, you want to be the cool. You want to wear the cool uniform. Look at the cool guy. And, and it goes, I can guarantee you none of those players, when they put on that helmet last night, they had to say, I, I don't want to go out here. This is embarrassing because, especially in the world of social media, you knew that there was gonna, they were going to have fire going all night last night and go on to today. Hockey players dress snazzy. They yeah. dress trendy. They're always on point. Wherever they go, they're in nice suits and whatnot, a little out there. This was way out there. I thought I'd get used to it. <laughs> I thought by the second period, okay, I just won't look at it. I, I was dizzy by the end of the game, and maybe it was the fact that it was a very lackluster effort yeah. by the Knights last night. So maybe that hurt as well, but it was really disappointing to watch that, especially after the Jets looked so good. By yeah, me. so Frank brought it to my attention, actually. So we were at the game last night, and then I really wasn't paying too close attention. They're about ready to face off, and Frank says, what is that on their head? What are they wearing? Yeah, yeah I, I thought I was watching a video game or Tron or something <laughs> like that. I, I thought they were absolutely hideous. You mentioned the fact maybe they look different. I saw them live and went home and watched the game on TV, too. They were just as bad no matter whether you saw them live or on the television. I don't understand it. I hope they don't use it again. They, they, they had their first shutout loss at home ever, so maybe that will give them reason <laughs> enough helmets, to never right? do it again. Oh. Uh, but, but uh, again, I, and I know people are talking about that. To me, the story was actually Leonard not playing, Shea Theodore, they really missed him. They, it was a lackluster performance all around. But, yeah, the helmets, I thought, were absolutely hideous. I know some people do like it. I am not one of those people. I'm not, and I'll tell you what, all your fans in Canada didn't like them. They were sending me messages everywhere. No true Just hockey shocking. fan is going to like him. Shocking. Trevor was appalled. He, he could barely watch the game. He was yeah. so upset watching that thing. Well, what about diehard Christy with a C? Because uh, we've seen her in the gold lame. We've seen her, you know, we see her sparkling. She sent a message of C-3PO. <laughs> Basically, that's that's what they look like there with their their gold heads. So it was. But she would actually look good with that helmet on, with her sparkly, you know, gold pants that we've seen her wear. She and, and she was appalled by the helmet. gold jersey. Yes, she was sparkly. Yeah. But that was too much. That was that was. Uh, it didn't match anything. Yeah. Especially with the with the slick gray uh, home beauties, they just looked. Uh, awful. Are, you, are you telling me we're not going to see those in stores in Kenora? Is that what you're telling, trying to tell me? Well, if you can get to Kenora, it's like negative 40 <laughs> degrees there right now. You know, they, they've been they've been in the negative in the peg in Kenora. They haven't even hit zero in like two weeks. That's a great Saturday. And, and you're trying zero. to get me to go there in the winter. Come on. Not the winter. Yeah, you go in the summer. Yeah. You know, actually, we'll go for a Jets game. No, that's what you've been Jets talking nice about. Play. Yeah. You, you he wants to do, do a remote. He wants to take me over there and do a remote. Yeah, he'll like some of the, you'll like, so you'll like the jet dog. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? It's, it, it, you wore a jacket. We're we can't a, get there now yeah. after COVID. So next, I understand. next you, you were in Green Bay for years. It gets cold in Wisconsin. Uh, I know. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> we always make the comparison of Winnipeg and Green Bay are basically being, being par for the course. Yeah. Jerry yeah. said, Jerry, yeah. the dentist, yeah. he said with the wind chill, he goes, we don't even have to freeze the, the Pfizer doses. You know, that's cold enough outside to just leave them outside. <laughs> yeah, I, I know my best friend back home in the suburbs of Chicago, it was the wind chill was over 30 below the last week yeah. down there, you know. They had a high of five one day, you know. Yeah. Uh, our, 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 oh, yeah. our, our line always used to be, if it's not single digits, it's not that bad. Yeah. 
Hey, I lived it for 12 years, guys, so I don't know. But I'm not sure I just want to pack up and leave now just to you know, go do a remote uh, in, in 40 below. That's, that's okay. I'm guessing those helmets will never be back on our Golden Knights. Yeah. You think? I'm guessing they're not. Okay. I think that there so, is outrage in the hockey community. There's outrage right. in Las Vegas. See, final thing. I, about- I actually was listening. I actually went on, and I don't go on Twitter to look at things, but there was one thing that said from the Golden Knights, hey, we like our shiny helmets or shiny yeah. new helmets. And then I went to look at the comments. Yeah. And it was like 40 comments yeah. just piling on how horrible they So were. we spent a good portion of the show yesterday talking about the alternate jerseys. Not yes. just the Golden Knights, but just everybody in sports, the way they're doing this right Some now. are good, some are not so good. Okay, right. But, but here's this is why we got here, Brian, with the gold helmets last night. Because you sit there and you try to be too cute sometimes. You, you come up with this design. It was a big deal, the design. Remember when the Golden Knights unveiled their uniform, there were people that were kind of some hit and miss. There were. Then it kind of grew on people. Then, okay, this is our uniform. This is our home uniform. That's fine. We see the white one. Pretty clean. Pretty nice. And then, okay, now let's let's get into this the alternate jersey type of thing. Like you said, when the holidays come or, or a special event, a lot of times it's miss. Like that St. Patrick's Day stuff. Yes. I know you weren't a fan of that. Terrible. Okay? Terrible. That so first St. Patrick's Day was awful right. looking. Okay, as a miss. So the gold, you come out, okay, it, it's, it's kind of loud, and you get up close, and you see the sparklies. But I kind of like the gold. Red, I'm not, so, I'm not so sure that I like that. But it's because we go from here, we go from here, and we, they think people accept it, this and that, and now we've pushed the gauntlet a little too far. And that's exactly what you got last night with those. Uh, and I know that's not a... It's it's not marketing because they're not selling the helmet. You're right, but it's it's all just part of of the allure, I guess, of the Golden Knights. Say, hey, let's let's throw this out there. Let's throw this out there. And sometimes you go a little bit overboard. I, I, take me back to the Cubs. Take me back to the Yankees. Take me back to the Packers. Take me back to the Bears. Give me to the Celtics. You know, let's let's let tradition ride with it and go with it, man. The Bears had some pretty ugly uniforms. They, the I mean, they, the they have. Yeah, yeah, but so I, I shouldn't have threw them in there. I, I would say this. I shouldn't have threw the Bears because those orange things are pretty pathetic. You're they right. liked, they liked to, to, to try things, and it was just a miss. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge miss. And if they would have won the game 7 to nothing, I might have liked it a little better, but yeah, I did not like those helmets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they probably should have taken the helmets and auctioned them off instead of the Chinese New Year warm-up jerseys. But um, <laughs> so, they probably wouldn't have got as much money I, for them. I understand. But, yeah, but, but I guarantee you, you can go through the history of any team that's been around for a while, and you're going to find some ugly jerseys. Yeah, the Bears had some. Remember some of the Steelers' old throwback jerseys oh, from I the know. 20s and 30s yeah, like and that? The, the and, and, and guess what? And, and guess what? So did Green Bay. So they've all had jerseys that were pretty hideous at some point. Okay, but the, the Packers the, the don't Vancouver, venture away Vancouver from Canucks the Canucks never had a good uniform, yeah. Yeah. ever. Yeah, I never liked the Packers' Acme jerseys when you go back to 1921. Yeah. Okay, because it was blue and gold. I get that, but, <laughs> you know, that's... You, only, you keep on... They're not gold. It's yellow. It's gold. It is Green not gold. And gold. Those helmets last Listen. night were gold. The Packers jerseys are not the that same color. Way. It, it, it's yellow. It's green and gold, my friend. It it's copyrighted. It's green and gold. I don't care what it uh, okay. copyrights. I'm gonna go with not, I'm gonna go with Frank. Yeah, they look yellow to me. They look yellow. yellow. I'm just telling you what yellow. they call it. It's green and gold. Give me a break. You can call it whatever you want to. You can call yourself a Phi Beta Kappa. It doesn't mean that you have a degree. <laughs> it sounds like we didn't. Uh, this is this, these helmets caused a little <laughs> angst here. People are a little upset. The Golden Knights fall to eight, two, and one last night. What happened? They had 21 shots on goal. They only had three in the first period last night. It was one of the ugliest games. Uh, yeah, along with the ugliest helmets, they, what happened? They were sluggish. They couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. Uh, it was Petrangelo's first game back. They're missing the guys like uh, McNabb. They certainly well, missed Theodore. Theodore was a huge loss. Theodore was a big, big loss. And when, when, you, when you lose Nosek for Kolasar, Kolasar is a thumper. 
uh, Nosa could scoot up the ice pretty good and, and, and also helped kill penalties. Uh, they, just didn't, they just didn't have it last night. And if you're not at your best, a team like the Ducks just jumped them every time they could. And uh, Flurry kept him in the game. Flurry was outstanding in the net. He made a beautiful save mm -hmm. on that one where he stretched his arm across the goal line. Um, they're lucky it wasn't worse. At the end, they still had some opportunities to tie it up. I thought two skaters were, were, were quite good in the game. Uh, Riley Smith, I thought, was very good, as was William Carlson. Um, uh, I don't know what happened to Stone. He missed some of the time uh, in the second period. Marcia So taking a dumb 10-minute uh, uh, misconduct penalty. Then you had Stone go out. So we had two uh, of our forwards out. The lines got completely uh, uh, disjointed for a little while in the second period. Mm -hmm. And so they just never quite quite the same Knights team that we're used to seeing. And you're going to have that. We, you know, p Fans know that. They should realize that. Yeah. You're going to have games like this. And you don't have to pull the alarm here. But only the second time the Golden Knights have not scored uh, four goals this year. Think about that. Yeah. Only only two times this season that's happened in 11 games. Yeah, and, and again, they also got wow. shut out at home, which just doesn't happen. Yeah. But you also have to remember, too, the Ducks were playing with desperation. Anaheim is not having a good season. And Gibson, when he's on his game, is one of the better goalies in the NHL. He usually has to think he has to be perfect. Well, last night, for the Duck fans, he was perfect, and that was enough. Marc-Andre Fleury kept them in that game. That save that Brian made is a highlight reel save. It might be one of the candidates for the best save of the year when all is said and done when things are done. But, yeah, I mean, they were flat. They didn't come out and play, and they still had a chance to pull the game out at the end, but they didn't get it done. And even when, when they pulled the goalie, there was still no pressure on. I was actually thinking Anaheim might make it and, and cover the puck line or something there, but they just pinched back, they helped out their goaltender, and they got the win. So now we'll see what happens because now they have to play Saturday in San Jose, then they have four coming up against Colorado. So it doesn't get any easier for the Golden Knights. And again, with Theodore out and some other things, and we don't know what the condition of Leonard is right now. They're listing him day to day, but we know that the Golden Knights don't like to tell us too much. Is day-to-day -day really day-to-day, -day, or is it a week? Is it two? We don't know. Right. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, this is a makeup game. Uh, tomorrow, I think at 1, 1 p.m. Yeah. in uh, and San Jose. On, uh, so it's a quick road trip, and then, then they play a, a you know, legitimate team uh, in Colorado. When do we play Minnesota? I, I haven't looked at the schedule that tight, Dave, because they've been out for a little while, and they've been a real surprise. Mm -hmm. Well, and Colorado's been out for a while, too. They're just coming back after they've had some games lost because yeah. of COVID. So. Yeah. You know, mentioned Flurry, Brian, 27 saves last night. He, w he was outstanding. You kind of feel bad for him uh, on the losing end of this. Especially but getting late notice to go into the exactly, game. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, he's owned Anaheim. I think he's now 17-5, and five, if, I, if memory serves, from what they were talking last night. So, you know, these games happen. And, and if you're not 100% and uh, you're wearing a shiny helmet, this, these <laughs> things happen. So, uh, First time that uh, Flurry has gotten the call to go back-to-back -back or any Golden Knights goaltender, as I know, we've been going back and forth from Leonard to Flurry, back and forth. So at this point in time, we may see more of Flurry because Leonard could be injured. Uh, give me your, after 11 games, uh, who's the better goaltender right now? Well, obviously, it's Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, Leonard needs some time. I don't think he showed up in the best of shape, and I think he needed preseason and more of camp. He also had off-season shoulder surgery. So when you look at the, the, the goalies, he has to be positionally sound. He has to be there, and he's been a little slow. And I think maybe it's just because his conditioning wasn't quite ready to get the season started. But, um, but I think Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, he's just acrobatic, and uh, he he's just looks spectacular. 
so far. So uh, I'd have to say Flurry so far has been the better netminder. Well, and the, the difference between them two is when Leonard is off his mark and he's not in the right position, that's when he gives up some goals that he should probably stop. Marc-Andre Fleury is so athletic, like you mentioned. Even if he's out of position, he can still make the save like he did last night there. He kind of made that poke check and then made, the save on, then made the save on it. But then, you know, it was a beautiful pass from Raquel to uh, Comtois. And, boy, if it wasn't for that guy, he scored, what, three goals the first couple games they played. Then he scored the goal last night. He's Anaheim's scoring machine against the, the Vegas Golden Knights for sure. But Fleury, because of his athleticism, can make up when he does make a little positional error. And Robin Leonard doesn't. He's, he, he uses his size. He uses his positioning. But when he's off on that positioning a little bit, that's when he can be beat. And that's what we've seen. The Golden Knights have been good enough that it hasn't affected him basically up to this point here. Robin Leonard is a good goalie, but I agree with Brian. I'm not sure that he was 100% healthy. And I still think he's nursing that injury a little bit. And maybe it's in his head a little bit too right now. When you're coming off an injury, there's a different mental setup and everything getting into a game. And I hope he's okay, but we haven't really heard anything. They said that he tweaked something in morning skate. That's why Oscar Dansk was the backup last night. We might even see Oscar Dansk in a game if Leonard is out for a while. Because, again, they play Saturday, Sunday, and Tuesday. They have three right. games coming up in a four-day span. Yeah. Yeah, that's four and six. That's a lot for a goalie to uh, yeah. to endure. Um, I thought it was interesting listening to the broadcast. Uh, Dave and Shane talked about how Flurry's trying to stay a little bit more under control, and and not leave the net so much, and not you know kind of go sell out for everything, but be a little more under control. And you kind of saw that at times, mm-hmm. where where he he he'd be able to step out. He's a master at the poke check. Yeah. I mean, it's really it's really amazing to see that, and it's got to be frustrating as heck for a guy coming in. And, and thinking he's got a shot, and it just gets knocked away by that goaltender. Right. So uh, I, I like, I mean, everybody loves Marc Andre right. Fleury, and it's nice to see him back on top of his game because yeah. he was a little off last year, I would say. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, then again, expected so. I mean, especially when you bring in Leonard. And, you know, you say obviously, you know, Fleury has, has played better, and the re- results back that up. But let's remember, I mean, Pierre DeBoer made it very clear that. Robin Leonard is his number one guy. Even though they're going with the every other thing, the opening night starter definitely was Robin Leonard. It was his choice last year, and a lot of people thought it was going to go more 50-50 in the playoffs. It wasn't. It wasn't even 75-25. It wasn't even 80-20, you know, coming to that. So, uh, again, this is great for Marc-Andre Fleur. I think it's great for fans, like you mentioned, because he is a fan favorite. He still is the, the, the face of this franchise. And, uh, again, they paid Robin Leonard a lot of money to come back here. And yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury is getting a lot of money to be the backup here. So as this season goes on, whether he's injured or not, but it seems like over the first you know, uh, you know, know, month and a half of this, of this season, more and more people are kind of making excuses for Robin Leonard. Yeah, I, I, I think Robin Leonard was fine last year. I thought he was a great uh, pickup. Um, maybe overpaid for that goalie position yes. to have two at, at that level. Uh, but I think that it brings you a, a, a good one-two punch, especially this year when you're playing so many games and who knows how many games you're going to have to make up and play back-to-back when all is said and done. All right. He was probably overpaid for a backup goalie, but if he is your starting goalie, then he might even be underpaid for what a lot of teams pay. But remember, too, Pete DeBoer has a history of when he names the starter, that's who he goes with. You know, a lot of people didn't think Martin Jones was very good up in San Jose. Now, granted, he had Aaron Dell as a backup, so he didn't right. have another quality goalie necessary as a backup there. But DeBoer has been known to be loyal to his person, win, lose, or draw. Right. 
And that's maybe one of the reasons that San Jose hasn't gone all the way and won that Stanley Cup. Right. What I don't think enough people put into uh, with, with Marc-Andre Fleury, and I was guilty of it myself last year in the playoffs, it's not just what he does on the ice. It's the way that he makes everybody else relax. When he's right. dancing and talking to the fans and he's giving wet willies to people, the other guys on the ice go, well, if he's not nervous, why should we be? Mm-hmm. Leonard doesn't have that same personality. The team isn't as relaxed. All right, yeah. Golden Knights back in action tomorrow. San Jose, they will go on the road and play tomorrow, like you said, with three games in the next uh, four days. All right, when we come back, showtime. Sean Porter is going to join us, the two-time welterweight champion of the world. Always great to have him with us. We'll talk a little boxing, a little NFL, and everything else coming your way. College basketball this weekend. It's all here at the Cosmopolitan, so come on out and uh, be here. If not today, we're here till 4 o'clock. Come out here and check out the action tonight. Great food options, of course. If you want the grab-and-go variety, it's Block 16. Great restaurants, of course, like the Blue Ribbon, like STK, and the list goes on and on here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. T.C. Martin Show, live on a Friday from the best place on the Las Vegas Strip, the Cosmopolitan.